Welcome to Advance Your Art. If you are interested in making money from your art, using your artistic background to your advantage when switching careers, or if you are just plain stuck, you've come to the right place. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of If you're interested in learning how to build a company, make money from your art, or if you're just feeling stuck, you've come to the right place. Every week I sit down with a creative entrepreneur to discuss the who, what, and why of their journey. If you like this episode, please remember to subscribe, like, and share with a friend. Today, I'm sitting down with Sahar Fremantle, milliner and founder of Sahar Millinery. Sahar, hello, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Yuri, I'm really good, thank you. That's wonderful. So where are you located? I'm in London. I live in East London and my studio where I work is in central London. Wonderful. How, how has London been in 2020? Um, you know, I, my cycle is kind of in zone, zone three into right in the very heart of, of central London. If you've been to London, then you'll be familiar with Piccadilly Circus and Leicester Square. That's where my, my studio is. And okay. it's been a really wonderful the streets have been so clear for me yeah. <laughs> um and it's really odd actually to to see these places that i i'm used to seeing so bustling um just so quiet and and empty and um i mean i barely take the the, the tube i barely take the underground these days but mm-hmm. funnily enough last night i was on the underground and it was just these expanse of tunnels going on just really long tunnels and I got to this one crossway and there was no one there was no one and I felt like I was in some zombie apocalypse and then some zombies were just going to come right out at me it was just like yeah it's odd it's really really odd right now yeah 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 I, I can only imagine I I live just north of Boston but I still go into the city once in a while and it's starting to be a little more busy, but it's still, you know, very easy to find parking. There's very few people still walking around. Z- Zombie Apocalypse movie is a very good way to describe it because it reminds me of it's a 30 Days Later or some other like movies where suddenly everything gets, you know, they, they I think they filmed it at like two o'clock in the morning originally, but well, like everything is empty and shut down. And it just feels eerie. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Good. So. How do you describe yourself and what you do? Um, So primarily I would describe myself as a milliner, which I generally have to uh, explain what that is. Mm -hmm. So a milliner is a hat maker um, and I specialize in making hats for women. Um, Although I've got to say in recent years, I've also, I've also sort of depending on how much time people give me I will describe myself as you know designer maker and you know runner of a, of a business really a, a business woman you yeah. know like because actually if I'm really honest it's you know what I do is as much or even more about running a business as it is about the the hands-on making if I'm mm-hmm. really honest with the amount of hours I spend making versus doing all the other stuff of running a business you know I probably I do spend more time doing all the other stuff yeah that's a very interesting you know, distinction. When, when would you say that changed? So when did you start describing yourself more as a businesswoman versus a milliner? 
Well, okay, first of all, I, I do just still describe myself as a millionaire. Yeah. But <laughs> it depends how honest I'm feeling like being. Gotcha. Um, I, I have to say, well, it was about five years ago that I went full time with millinery. Um, and there was a definite shift there from, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a milliner, but I can support myself. I'm supporting myself with a standard salary, um, which I, you know, which, you know, a couple of days a week, but still kind of enough yeah. to, oh, wow. How am I going to pay the rent with this? Um, and then it was just like thrust, just full on, like, this is, this is, about the money and for a couple of years it was definitely more about the money than it was about the millinery um, and it had yeah. to be but I kind of knew that that was a transition time and I was you know kind of um you know prepared to 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 go through that um in order yeah. to build something which I can then kind of bring in the kind of the passion and the creative side into it you know, when, once I'd kind of stabilized my business income. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's start from the beginning a little bit. What initially got you interested in becoming a milliner? So I initially, I did my degree in costume design um, at Edinburgh College of Art. And when I graduated, I met some milliners and it, everything just clicked um I was just like yes this just sums up everything from my degree that I liked Mm -hmm. like it's a bit of everything you've got a bit of fashion a bit of costume a bit of couture it's very kind of you know you can go huge with a huge statement or you can go with like with a with a small headpiece and it just kind of um it just summarized everything it was sculptural it was just it was just everything it was fashion and fun and costume and just everything all in one. So it was just kind of like, this is so obviously me. Yeah. So when you said you, you met some milliners, were you, so I can, I, again, you and I have a similar background and I, but I studied costume design in the States and in the summertime I would work, I would intern at different theaters and for summer stock. So I, I met people from different aspects of the theater world that way. Did, is that, is that the same kind of system in, in London and in England? Were you working at let's say summer, the version of summer stock. And is that how you met them? Or was it a a different kind of way that you met milliners? No, it was very similar. It was basically an intern. It was just a work experience opportunity where they were um, putting on a fashion show with hats and Ah, um, they called at the college and said, does anybody want to come and help us? Um, To which I said, yeah, sure. Um, They literally opened up the trunk of their car and it was just full of awesome hats. And (laughs) I was like, wow yes this is this is it yeah okay so from so from that moment then forward how did you start to hone your craft of of being a milliner and what did you do so from that moment that's when I um then stayed with them um and sort of stuck with them for several months and um they taught me um a lot um I then yeah I kind of did a little bit of work in the costume side uh I also you know so I I practiced my general costume I, d- I definitely didn't go straight into being a full-time milliner um because well truth be told even though it seems clear now back then it was kind of like I didn't quite believe that I knew that was the right thing I didn't quite trust that little voice yeah so I 
thought that I had to do everything like first and no but I need to try this but I've got these skills but I can do dressmaking and so I was doing like bridal dressmaking and I was doing like working on films doing costume and and all of this stuff um so I don't know if all that was like a it probably wasn't a waste of time because I learned a lot of stuff doing doing all of that but I definitely it was definitely a while before I just kind of went oh so what are you doing doing all this other stuff you know that you want to do hats and you know that you can be quite good at this um yeah so then so it was it was a slow it was a very slow progress and then at some point over the next next couple years I moved to London okay um and it was very difficult it wouldn't have been I mean I I had to just get another job because it was just like I didn't know anyone I didn't have any networks um and I just had to do millinery just very much on the side as a a hobby for a few years yeah okay in in those days were you working for a, a, a theater or did you have let's say more of a traditional job while you were doing hat making on the side when I came to London, it was a little bit of kind of film, a little bit of bridal stuff, but then I, I really just got fed up of the insanely long hours and, <laughs> and just got a normal office job and went, okay. oh, this is really easy. Um, so I kind of had a really fun, easy life for, for a few years. Um, I was doing hats on the side. I was making enough money to live. I was just like new in London and just like, wow, this city's incredible. There's so much to do there's so many cool people and I was just I was just having a good time yeah <laughs> okay wonderful and so what what was the moment like when you decided that this that you want to do millinery full-time and start a company so there was one stage in between which is when I went from being a full-time employed and doing millinery on the side the mm-hmm. the stage in between was um that I got it got offered a job in the same institution but only doing two and a half days a week Mm, okay which was great because then that gave me just about enough money to survive and I was able to do millinery for I say two and a half days a week the reality was you know five days a week like it was (laughs) every evening and weekends and you know but I was still loving it like I was still very much doing it as a passion um and that for for the first time then I got myself a studio a little studio in Hackney um and um that was kind of the first time I was plugged into a kind of and, and was one of these kind of creative people in in Hackney in East London mm-hmm. um you know which was, was about I don't know 10 years ago or something um and so then after I did that for a few years and you know was kind of not so seriously building up my label and the business side of things but still doing it a little bit I was doing like craft fairs here and there and kind of and that sort of thing still not making anywhere near amount the amount of money one needs to survive especially in a city like London um I just had the opportunity my my this part-time job said to me do you know what we either need you to go full-time or we need you to leave and so I was just like oh this is the moment this is the moment oh what do I do and it was obvious it wasn't even a choice it was just obvious I'm like I'm so not going to go to working but back to working in office full-time I just have to make this leap yeah uh, which is which I did and then I scrabbled around for about two years just saying yes to absolutely every every opportunity like what came my way around anything hat related mm-hmm. um yeah I don't remember if that answers your question yeah no no it it, <laughs> <laughs> it, de- it definitely does so while you were going through this process of of you know, this being your full-time profession, how were you learning the the business side of of running your company? 
um, it sounds like in the early days, it was more kind of a trial and error, but were there, how have, I guess, how did you refine from the early days to what you're doing now on the business side of it? Yeah, I mean, on the business side of it, I'm very much still learning that. And I've been actively learning that for the last five years since I've been doing it um, mm -hmm. full time. So the, literally the first two years were like, it was just like shooting in the dark and just saying yes to anything and everything and trying everything and um, just trying to put myself out there as much as possible, really expending a lot of energy. And then after a kind of couple years of doing that, I was able to see, okay, what works and what doesn't work. Um, where should I put my energy? What can I drop? Um, and still now, you know, I plug into various like business programs and stuff like that, which is what I have been doing. Um, mm -hmm. Even just like, you know, before Christmas, just, you know, last year, I, I plugged into um, the London Creative Network business program and learned a whole bunch of new things about my business values and about actually like pricing and accounting and finances and stuff like that. Um, I also over 2020 over the lockdown was learning all about like how to optimize my website and stuff like that. All of this is the business side of things, which is there's a huge amount to learn there, mm -hmm. you know, and I have, you know, not to mention like marketing and stuff like that. There's a huge amount to learn. Um, so you kind of have to be like, at least at the, at the beginning of a little bit of a jack of all trades like you know where you can't when I, you know when you're still at the stage where you can't afford to employ experts employ people you have to just do what you can do um yourself and learn it little by little mm -hmm. so i'm i'm curious on on your your process of because there's a lot of creativity and uh, well yeah creativity in, in your designs of your hat you, you do beautiful work how do you think about the designs of your hat versus the people who want to then buy your hats? And how does that, like, how do those two things work together? Yeah, so again, like at the, in the first couple of years of going full time where I was really, um, I, I had to be money focused. Um, mm. My products became quite safe. Um, definitely not as creative as I was longing them to be sure. um, because I needed to sell them. Still though, as I mentioned, like I was pretty sure that this was a transitory period. I needed to go through this period to become financially stable for the business to become stable. And then I should soon you know, have a goal in like, you know, two, three, four years time to start bringing the creative elements back into it. Mm -hmm. And because if I didn't, not only would I not enjoy it, also my business would, wouldn't have the, um, the creative flair that people long for, you know, like you need to have your portfolio pieces, which are the wow pieces yeah. to bring, to entice people in. And the reality is most people buy the safe the safe pieces, the safe wearable pieces. So if if I was only gonna then make the safe wearable pieces, my my brand wouldn't be appealing to people because it would mm -hmm. just be too normal and too safe and too boring. And I wouldn't be getting enjoyment from it myself, um, which would then have a knock-on effect to like, you know, how I treat my customers and, you know, what I'm putting out there in the world. So, um, so I did give myself a couple of years where I totally acknowledged I am losing my passion for this, but I just need to focus on 
in learning what I can learn from the business side of things. Um, and then, yeah, like I was quite strict with myself after like two, three years. As soon as I had a little bit of time, I started um, just kind of creating for create just for the sake of creativity. So mm-hmm. in my kind of slightly less frantic periods, I, I was, you know, I said to myself, look, you, you need to kind of create some portfolio pieces here. You need to make connections with photographers who love this work and they're going to give you some really cool, you know, content for your social media, you know, like that kind of portfolio side of things is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, I keep forgetting what your questions yeah. are. So- no, that's, this, this is good. I, <laughs> you've, you've hit them all. This is, this is good. Uh, so on the, the marketing side is kind of what I want to hear a bit more about. So you've mentioned that you were making these again portfolio pieces and giving them to photographers. Has that been the best avenue for you to get, you know, larger clients or to get showcased in, in articles and magazines and work with celebrities or how have those opportunities uh, arisen? Yeah, I mean, for sure, you know, when I do my own photo shoots, they're all kind of like, they, they you know, they're standard kind of lookbook shoots and stuff like that. So to yeah. create networks with um, other creative people and do collaborations. So for example, you know, fashion photographers, they're always looking for um, wow pieces that they can borrow and use, um, you know, and, and sometimes that might, you know, end up as in a, in a magazine and sometimes not, but still you can use it for your own kind of, um media social media exact um you know etc mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean you've there's a there's always going to be a certain amount of work that you've got to do like for for free um even to pay for um you know uh to to get yourself out there and, and notice with the with the right people so all of yeah. that kind of thing is an investment you know my time where i'm not I'm not getting paid to sit there and make that wow hat. I have to fork out for the materials and stuff like that. That's just an investment into getting myself out there. And then once that you're, you know, once that you're kind of a little bit been worn a little bit on celebrities and stuff like that, then you become more desirable essentially. Yeah, yeah that's good to know. How, so the, I, I know your hat's been been worn with a few celebrities and royalty. How, how did those opportunities arise is that something that you kind of sought out to their you know their people their publicists or did they come to you because of seeing your work um I guess it's come from just me having done this for so many years and um met people along the way and stayed in touch with people and you know it helps if you're a nice person as well because then people (laughs) like you and they want to stay in touch with you um yeah so most of most of them have been through yeah people I've met along the way um and then other other ones have just been yeah maybe random stuff the the animal ball when Ellie Golding wore my elephant headpiece and that ended up in the in the Victorian Albert Museum and then Prince Charles ended up and Camilla ended up having choosing that as their favorite piece and mm-hmm. so then they've ended up having it and uh, yeah like I mean that's just a chain of events you know which started from me doing something you know which kind of wasn't paid an awful lot of money but then it's of course that's ended up being totally worth it yeah oh yeah that's that's great so tell me about your, um, the other company you started, Ugly Love. What was what's that company about? So Ugly Lovely. Lovely, sorry. Actually, <laughs> do you know what Ugly Lovely was, yeah. came first? Actually. Ah, okay. 
Yeah, Ugly Lovely came first and it was when I was um, I was working under this that brand Ugly Lovely because it just summed up the kind of style which I created from my college days and which then I kind of went on to continue, which is this kind of like slightly macabre sort of um, really looking at the beauty in the unconventional. So like take a beetle. Yeah. You can look at a beetle in a lot of different ways. You can look at a beetle and kind of get a bit yuck and freaked out by it, or you can look at a beetle and restudy really it and look at like the iridescent qualities of the of the armory and the shell and, and all of this stuff and and just see it as something completely magnificent, completely beautiful. So it's that kind of concept of like, you know, how can I turn the spectator from like ew to wow, like oh my, you know, like in yeah. a matter of seconds, it's like okay, that that's kind of the concept behind Ugly Lovely. So I was, I, that's kind of, that was my, my enjoyment and my passion, you know, all those years when I, when I was kind of doing it as, as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, Sahar Millinery sort of took over when I realized that I needed to make money from this and, you know, brides weren't going to buy from a brand called Ugly Lovely. So now Ugly Lovely is more kind of the kind of cool kind of portfolio side um and it does get some sales um but um not anywhere near as much as Sahar Millinery which is kind of the overarching brand okay well that's good to know so I I'm curious on how your business has evolved in 2020 so um I'm gonna but so before the pandemic were you selling more hats like in a in a shop or physically and you know now that everything has kind of gone virtual, did that change your business process, or what? What has twenty twenty been like for your company? Well, I I mostly work in events, really. People okay. going to weddings and people going on going on holiday and people going to the horse racing, and everything got cancelled. So um, you know, twenty twenty was not really a business year. Um, it was it was a successful year in that I got uh, I got an award, which I've been kind of wanting for several years actually the Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Trust I won I won that award um so that was just incredible um I'd say like 2020 was quite good in terms of like um yeah like kind of recognition and um having time to create uh you know these portfolio pieces um which you know it's normally very hard to carve out that time to do that um, and to just like experiment and get and get creative because um, yeah before that um, the years were starting to become a little bit standardized in that I knew for example like between like April May June it was it would be kind of like prep and selling for like weddings and and Royal Ascot um, and then you know like after that it might be like Panama hats people going on holiday and then after that might be like you know felt hats people keep warm in the winter and you know so it was kind of it you know and so great to kind of be a creative self-employed person and pretty much have faith that the world is gonna go along in that way and, and yeah. then obviously 2020 happened and it was like oh, <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah so it's obviously it's been a very challenging year financially of course it has um for everyone yeah. um yeah. But if I'm, yeah, if I'm looking at the the business side of things, it was also wonderful in other business, not the financial side, but in in terms of like, you know, recognition and being, mm-hmm. you know, award winning and, and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so congratulations on your award. Could you, what is the Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Trust? What's, what is that about? Uh, it's a charity that's been set up by the royal warrant holders. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're a warrant holder, you are basically in there with Buckingham Palace. <laughs> you're, you're supplying Buckingham Palace. You're, you're, you're basically the most legit you can be in this country. Yeah. Um, and so as a, as a kind of um, Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Trust, um, you know, award winner, I'm, yeah, Definitely still very far away from being a royal warrant holder, but I'm kind of in in the club a little bit. Um, it's the charity which has been set up by then. So basically what it means is they these these people have seen me and my talents and my business skills and have decided that I'm somebody who's worth investing into. Mm -hmm. So they've invited me into their club, as it were. Um, and, uh, you know, they gave me a bunch of money to um you know train myself um in in different ways and, and further my own skills in in millinery so you know it's really it is really an amazing recognition that they you know they've seen me and they were as much interested in the business side as they were in the craft side um yeah but they've seen me as somebody who is you know a craft business person who's worth investing into which mm -hmm. is really wonderful yeah Oh, that's wonderful. And so, so pardon my ignorance as an American, but um, so what would that mean if you were to get this, this other recognition and start working? Um, what would that, did that mean that you would be like um, the official milliner to the, to the queen and the royal family or, or what does, what does that entail? Well, if, if I, you know, get there and, and that's going to take, if, if that does happen, it's going to be several years, several yeah. years from now, I, I would imagine. Um, yeah, it would pretty much be um, perhaps not milliner to the queen because I don't think, only because I don't think my style is necessarily <laughs> the queen's style, yeah. uh, but perhaps milliner to, yeah, some of, some of the royals, um, yeah. Okay, <laughs> good. I, so I'd like to talk a little bit about how you approach fear and times where you feel apprehensive and, and fearful. And, you know, so particularly you, you mentioned this a turning point in your life where you had to make the decision of, you know, becoming a full-time milliner or keeping your day job, which was a little more financially secure. So on, on times like those, when you're feeling apprehensive and fearful about what's happening and where to go, how do you overcome that idea of fear and, and press on? Oh, I love this question. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Brené Brown and um, I have to say in the last few years one of the things which I've done has been not only to invest in in my millinery skills and my business skills but also my personal skills and um, you know in terms of personal development and um, creating support networks for myself um and you know really kind of learning about you know what what it is to live in my greatness and you know the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing and these kind of questions like you know what do I what do I do with that fear and I'm I'm a I'm constantly plugged into you know like right now I've just downloaded yesterday um Mark Brackett's book on permission to feel 
that's what it's called permission to feel and you know it's all about recognizing your emotions and um you know kind of um I guess once you recognize what's going on in your subconscious a little bit you can choose and you can make the choice so it's a really great thing to be aware of what's happening so when I feel fear I can just be really honest about it and I can go through I mean I had a little bit of anxiety period there was lots of stuff going on a couple weeks ago and it was like in different pockets of my life and you know you know when you just lots of things happen at the same time and you collapse everything into one and you think that you're never going to get it out of this or whatever and because I've done a lot of training and a lot of um I've you know coaching like life coaching and and stuff like that I, I I've kind of got to the point now where I can also deal with stuff on my own um and so I just took myself for a walk and went right there's this issue that's going on what's going on here how do I feel about this what can I do about this? And I literally did this process with like everything that was kind of seemed to be collapsing. And I was able through to do by, by doing that to just, just put, pull everything apart and then come by the end of my walk, come to a plan and be loads more clear headed. And then I ended my walk by going through all the stuff, which I was totally grateful for. And you know, I basically just got clear in my head. Yeah. Essentially. So when it comes to fear, I mean, like I had that when I, you know, in 2020, when I realized that the very real possibility that Ascot, the horse racing and all the weddings would be canceled. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was real fear. It was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, how am I going to survive this? Um and I, ha- and I did get coaching at that time. And through the coaching, I was able to just to lift myself out of being in that state of like, everything's doomed and just kind of go, well, what am I doing all this for anyway? Like I'm doing all of this to bring joy and creativity and uplift people. And, you know, like I can still do that. And if it's not gonna pay my bills for a year, mm-hmm. that's okay. And so suddenly it's like, oh, this isn't the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess I guess when it comes to fear, yeah, like be really honest with it. And and most of the time you can I well, I found that I can totally sometimes myself and sometimes with help, I can get over it, yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So how how are you looking at 2021 in your business and has anything changed from what you learned in 2020 well it's a, it's a very unknown question at the moment because yeah. i i am starting to be contacted by you know a, a number of clients who are hoping that their weddings are going to go ahead for example you know ascot the horse racing is a big thing for me and i'm you know, I've had to just tell myself, like, Sahar, stop worrying about this question about whether Ascot's going to go ahead. Like, mm-hmm. just that's not, you know. And so actually in the last, literally in the last few days, actually, I've kind of was thinking about it. And I was like, well, even if Ascot doesn't go ahead, it's quite likely that there's going to be a bunch of weddings that are going to go ahead later on in the year, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and 
yeah so I'm, I'm kind of having to just still be quite strict with myself and my time and not waste my energy and time on like fruitless thoughts but could just catch myself when they happen and just kind of go well you know what you could be spending this time for example optimizing your website so you're more easily found and and stuff like that so I I don't know what I have no idea what this year is going to bring at the moment okay. no idea sure so with everything that you have done and experienced so far what would you say has been the best advice that you were ever given um so I think for me it was when I was doing I was having a chat I was doing um a podcast with Josephine Fairley who is the she was the founder of Green and Black's chocolate mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have Green and Black's over there but um they sold it to Cadbury's anyway very successful business business lady and she basically said to me like Saha I think it's not only okay but I think it's good that your progress has been slow steady and organic like it means that it's it's basically sustainable because I think up until that time, I would give myself a bit of a hard time for like, oh, gosh, it's going very slowly. And I've been doing this for so many years because you in this day and age, like we're so used to everything growing so fast and happening instantaneously. And like you look at like any kind of tech company, it's like they've got a startup and an exit strategy within five years, you know, and it's like, wow. And it's like, do you know what? I'm not doing that. Like, it's OK that it's slow and and steady and that's fine. Um, I was watching a really funny video with Elizabeth Gilbert, um, the author, um, and she, she, it was just really refreshing because you hear so much of like, you know, this self-help talk of like, you can give up your day job and you, you got this, the universe has got your back and you can jump right in. And she's like, you know, like most of the time that doesn't actually work. And sometimes actually most of the time you need to be a little bit more logistical and like sensible and you can still like do your passion and grow it kind of slowly. And it was just, I was so happy to hear that because I was like, yes, I never hear that. You only ever hear like the kind of the other side of like the universe has got you. And it's like, actually, sometimes it doesn't. Like you need to have yourself. You need to have your own back. Like, you know, so yeah, I think for me, it's like around this um, slow, and steady is completely fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. I love it. So in the, in the evolution of your company, how have you been looking at different income streams? Like does everything come from just your sales of hats or are there other th- items that you work on? Um, there are a few income streams actually. Um, so there are the sale of the hats, which is the main one. Um, There's also the teaching side of things, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is to do with, for me, I love it because I get to enable people, um, enable people to get creative and to learn new skill um, and just also just to come and have a really fun day with me in the studio. Um, There's also a new venture, which I started in 2019, which is called the Milliner's Drawing Room, which is essentially, it's a highly stylized life drawing session. Um, where I um, have models in and and I'll also model myself um, hats and fabulously you know stylized costumes and clothes so it's not a Mm -hmm. it's the opposite to a nude life drawing it's like (laughs) there's a lot going on and it's really Mm -hmm. a feast um, 
for their for the artists and so it that's been really wonderful because I've got to know a whole different creative community in London so these you know the life drawing community is a whole community in themselves and um I yeah so I, I get like maybe 20 people like you know drawers life drawers coming to to my events in uh, which I you know it just hold in my studio mm-hmm. um and it's really wonderful because it's just it's super fun it's super creative um the models love it because it's just like a different experience and they get to see all these amazing pictures of themselves drawn in completely different styles um yeah the artists love it because it's just it's something different to you know the kind of the standard classical life drawing Mm -hmm. um and I love it because I then have loads of cool content for my Instagram um of all of these um illustrations and um yeah it's interesting because it's like I used to think to myself gosh I was I would love to have illustrations of my of my hats but I used to just be like oh but that'll be so expensive to get people to come and like pay people to come and draw them and now it's like I've totally flipped that around to turn it on its head and people pay me to come and draw my hats it's like it's just yeah it's just kind of magical what what can happen when you just start to think outside the box a little bit um so yeah there's in answer to your question there are there are actually uh, several income streams and several more um that I have up my sleeve that I can um, that I fully intend on in the next few years, um, building and growing my business in this way. Wonderful. Have, so these, these other uh, alternative income streams you've been working on, have they been able to be fully utilized during the pandemic? Like, are you able to do life drawing classes over zoom or is that something that's only really been able to work in person? Um, so that I've done a couple on zoom, um, I have to say the milliner's drawing room, it does pay me and it's great, um, but it's something which I do because I love it. Mm-hmm. I love being surrounded by that, by that community. And it's great doing it on Zoom. You still get to see the drawings and stuff like that, but it's 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 been, um, I don't think it's gonna be quite as fun and it's not gonna be as you know financially rewarding either. So it's something which, and other people are doing it. I'm just like, do you know what? Let these guys do it. Um, I'll come back to it when we're all allowed to open up and my studio's open again. Oh, Sahara, so thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like to follow follow your work um, or buy your hats, where is the best place they can go to do all that? Thank you. Um, yeah, my so my Instagram is just at Sahar Millinery. Uh, and my website is just saharmillinery.co.uk and feel free to yeah like send me an email if you need to some people think they see my website and they think that I'm some like corporate shop or something like that and they feel like they can't send me a friendly email to say hey can I just get this like a little bit smaller or whatever like you can do that like I'm here Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. I, I will. So I'll put the link in the show notes so the listeners can click right through. And uh, yeah, I'll <laughs> also make a note um, just in case they they don't make it this far in the interview that they can also contact you at any time for for updates. So uh, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you like this episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating, like, and share with a friend. Our theme music is written and mixed by Chicago-based composer Ryan Black of Blackbones Collaborative. To listen to the full catalog of our episodes, go to advanceyourart.com. To see what I'm working on or book a time with me, 
or buy a copy of my book, Be Left Behind, go to yurikataldo.com. Thank you so much and have a great day.